should physicians start podcasts? How can we use humor and nonverbal communication to better interact with our patients? What is the best way to learn about podcasting? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey guys, it's Andrew. Welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you can be here with me today. For our returning listeners, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. For our new listeners, welcome to the show. You should be excited because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, we have a great guest, Dr. Bradley Block. Dr. Bradley Block is an otolaryngologist, a head and neck surgeon on Long Island, New York, where he lives with his wife and three young sons. He is a partner at ENT and Allergy Associates, and he created the Physician's Guide to Doctoring podcast. It is a scintillating and engaging podcast where he interviews physicians and non-physician experts to help teach us what we should have been learning while we were busy memorizing the Krebs cycle. It is a practical guide for practicing physicians, physicians in training, and all allied health professionals. Topics range from personal finance to politics to improving interactions with patients to what every doctor should know about different specialties. You can find him at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com and on Twitter at Physician's Guide. You can't find him on TikTok, Snapchat, Etsy, or on Pinterest, and you probably never will. He went to medical school at the State University of New York at Buffalo and graduated with research honors and went on to ENT residency at Georgetown. He enjoys surfing. Yes, there is surfing on Long Island. Skiing. No, there is no skiing on Long Island. Smoking meat, exercising, throwing his sons across the pool, and finding any excuse to cool an 80s movie. I think you guys are going to love this show, so let's welcome Dr. Block onto the show. Dr. Brad Block, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Andrew Tisser, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Um, I've recorded a little intro about you for the listeners, but uh, in your own words, could you give us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're all about? Well, I am an otolaryngologist on Long Island. I'm, uh, I'm at ENT and Allergy Associates, which is the largest ENT practice in the country. Um, we're about five times bigger than the f- second biggest practice in the country, which is you know, an interesting place to work. And we're really ahead of the game in, in, in a lot of things. So it's, uh, I take a lot of pride in my practice. Um, but I also have a podcast called The Physician's Guide to Doctoring, which has absolutely nothing to do with my practice. It's where I claim to be an expert in nothing except for ears, noses, and throats. And so I interview people that can help me be a better physician. So here's the plug. You can find it at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com. And I'm available on all major platforms. And I just talk to people about a a big variety of things. So either I get a specialist on, like a rheumatologist. What do you want every doctor, even the the ones who are never going to send you a patient to know about rheumatology or dermatology. Like, let's talk about rashes, uh, you know, things that, that we may have learned in residency, but we should really kind of know in case like one of our friends picks up their shirt and they're like, hey, look at this. Um, <laughs> and then, but, but also I, we talk about like the soft skills. Like I had someone recently talking about nonverbal communication 
um, now that we're behind masks and over telehealth more frequently. So it might be hard to read what people are doing and how should we you know, face our cameras best. It was interesting because he's a professional poker player, but he also consults with physicians and hospitals. Um, I got the, um, the editor, one of the founders, the founder of The Onion to talk about how to be funny as a doctor. So it's really helped me. And, and the reason I created it was because I was looking for that podcast. Now, if Talk To Me Doc podcast was available then, when I started, I don't know if I would have um, created it, actually, because the, the direction that you're taking yours, I really, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I'm learning from it. So, but what, what, what I try to do is, the, the tagline is everything that we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. So anywhere from personal finance to um, advocacy to some of this, you know, some of the medicine, just anything that, that's interesting. I basically just creating the podcast that I want to listen to. I love that. Well, thanks for the plug there. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it's your um, own show. So they're yeah. already evangelists. But yes, <laughs> this no is true. Well, I mean, you know, Krebs cycle might be useful for something, um, for someone. I don't know. Uh, I not haven't met me that person and yet. not you. Yeah. And I don't think anyone we know. No, but I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure. They're out there. They're so, you know, I want to talk about podcasting. We've had a couple of guests on here that have their own shows, but um, we never really talked about podcasting. And uh, I, I understand why why you created the show because you wanted to listen to to yourself, talk to other people. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to listen to my, right? Dale Carnegie, no sweeter sound than the sound of your own voice. Oh man, love it. Got to read that book once a month. But, uh, you know, what, what have you gained from podcasting over the last couple of years? So every time I have someone on the show, it's something that I want to learn, right? Because if I don't want to learn it, I'm not really going to be in, an engaged interviewer. And it's not like this is, as you know, this is not lucrative. I am in the red on my podcast. <laughs> like I've had a couple of advertisers but I have spent more and more time. And certainly my time is better spent seeing more patients as an otolaryngologist than it is as, as a podcaster, right? I'm not Joe Rogan. So um, what have I, yeah, yeah, but we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there slowly. So um, with the help of your guests now listening to my show, I will soon be Dr. Joe Rogan. Um, there you go. No, so what have I learned? You know, I've learned from, uh, I, I've learned a little something from each guest and I try, I try to incorporate something from each guest into my podcast. And so sometimes what I, what I ask them is like a, a sticky note question. Like if I'm going to put a sticky note next to my laptop, next to my computer as I'm seeing patients, so I can remember to do this one thing, um, what would it be? And so I've, I've, um, so what, what have I, what have I learned? I mean, it's, it's helped me to be a better doctor. Um, not just, you know, having spoken to a dermatologist about working up rashes in a better way, not just putting everyone on steroid creams. Um, well, if it's like dry, those, make it wet. If it's wet, make it dry, right? <laughs> exactly. That's dermatology. That's it. And then biopsy it if you're not sure. <laughs> uh, and buy a bunch of lasers, a bunch of lasers, and then make sure you do everything with lasers. You remove warts? <laughs> yep. With a laser. Uh, so, so, oh man, I lost my train of thought, the direction that I'm going, what, what are we, what am I learning? Um, yeah. So, so I try to take away something from each one. Um, I I guess an example would be, um, Scott Dickers, who's the, who's the founder of the onion. His, 
Like, how can you be funny when you're treating patients that are sometimes going through really difficult times? Um, one is don't be, don't try to be unless you're really, uh, you're really adept at it. Um, but one is always punch up, never punch down. So humor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. So you never want to like, like make fun of like, say like a referring physician who might've missed a diagnosis, right? Like that, that would be, that, that's, that's just the wrong way to use humor. You always want to use it to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And in that situation, like, you know, it, it can be really hard to do. And so make sure you're very, very adept at it. And actually he had a list of jokes that comics are not allowed to use. And uh, I, I forgot his website, but if you just look it up, Scott Dickers, D-I-K-K-E-R-S, he has a list of jokes that comics are not allowed to use because they're tropes at this point, like referring, it, uh, referring to the internet as the interweb, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're not good at humor, you can just look at that list and suddenly you have a bunch of jokes you can use with their patients. They're not like laugh out loud funny, but you know, add a little levity to the, uh, to the interaction. So yeah, that, was, that was one example. I, you know, a personal favorite of mine is I ask a patient how they're doing and they said, okay, Dak, how are you? And I say, well, better than you, obviously. And, uh, that, uh, apparently uh, my wife like tells me I should not tell that joke, but it's, it's a killer. Let me tell you. Oh, right? really? They respond well to it? Especially old guys. They love it. So, so you found, and that's the thing is as physicians, we, we tend to repeat the same jokes over and over. Like oh God, whenever so I see, whenever I see kids, right? Like I, I'll, I'll, you know, the younger kids, like where are your ears? And then I'll like, look at their knee and look at their elbow, you know, it depends on their age. And you know, you use the, you use the same jokes over and over. So as long as you know that that works, you know, and you can kind of refine your shtick as things, as things go on and you can kind of, but when they fall flat, what do you do? Well, you have to make fun of your lack of sense of humor, right? Like suddenly you need to be, because you're the comfortable and they're the afflicted. Now you, you need to recognize that your joke fell flat and like make fun of your own joke. You got to own it. You got to own it. And that's oh, the only course. way you're going to get that patient back. I mean, you got to be hundred percent committed in everything you do, right? So. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that joke, I, that's a risk that the first time you told it, you might've sweat a little, right? Like better oh, yeah. than you. Oh, oh, I can <laughs> see how that could. And, and it's not going to, I'm sure it's not going to go well a hundred percent of the time. I'm sure there are a few people now. Well, you got to pick your gonna, audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you get it wrong, right? If you try to be the funny doctor, you're not going to, uh, you're not, nobody, nobody bats a thousand. No, I mean, and I consider myself a pretty funny guy, but here and again, you know, you got to just drop a, sorry, really bad joke. Yeah. Yeah. You got to own it. Own it. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, some of the lessons you've learned from podcasting. As far as uh, physicians podcasting, we're seeing a lot, a lot more now, which I think is great. Uh, do you, would you recommend podcasting as a hobby to other doctors? No, uh, <laughs> I don't need the competition. I hear you. Yeah. You know, people ask me. Like, <laughs> There's a finite audience out there and we're just like kicking and scratching for every doctor, for, especially it, you and I, who are, who our audience is physicians. Like there are what, 800,000 doctors and how many of them listen to podcasts? Like 12. <laughs> so we're competing for the same 12 people. I don't need loyal another doctor 12, out there podcasting. So loyal yeah, 12. I, my recommendation is if you're going to have a podcast, podcast, to the patients 
because we already have enough of us podcasting to doctors. No, I mean, it, it really, I, I think, what's my recommendation? My, so first, take a webinar. And actually, our, our colleague, physician, podcaster, Dave Draginis, was the one that told, told that to me. Um, but that it was too late for me because I already started my podcast. But like, if you're starting from scratch, there are webinars out there that you can, that you can take and then you'll know what equipment to buy. You, you don't have to cobble it together. Like someone's pieced this all together and can tell you exactly how to do it in an efficient way. So, so take a webinar to learn how to do it. And then, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. And, and make sure, my advice is to make sure you are ready to lose money every month. Yes. And, and recognize <laughs> that it's, it's a hobby. You know, there are some people that use it to help their brand. So like, let's say you're in, in an obesity specializing physician and, and it's about that topic, right? You're going to use it. It's a patient facing podcast. So it's a way for patients to find you. So that's like a business expense, right? But for you and I, who are just doing it as a hobby for, in order to be better doctors, right? Like we're, this is what we're learning from our guests and our, and our guests are learning. Like the way I see it is I'm getting free coaching. It's not free because I'm spending money creating the podcast, but like I get to find people. Like I'll give you an example. Um, a year ago, there was a Huffington Post article about how bad doctors are about talking to their patients about obesity, right? And there was this psychologist quote in the article. So I had a podcast. I'd only, I, you know, I had only had like 15 episodes at that point. So who was I? At this point, I was podcast. I was, I hadn't built this beautiful studio I'm sitting in right now. I'm actually in the corner of my basement. Um, <laughs> I was in my closet at that point. And, um, but I emailed her. She's this psychologist at Harvard at their weight center. And I said, I have this podcast. I saw your article about how doctors don't know how to talk. It wasn't her article. She was just quoted in it. And she was like, oh, I love podcasts. I'd love to be on it. So suddenly I got this like world expert to talk to doctors about how we can better talk to our patients about their weights. And as an ear, nose, and throat doctor, I see patients for sleep apnea all the time. I have to talk to my patients about this. That's something you wouldn't think. Like, yeah, hearing loss, we don't have to talk to patients about their weight, but, but for sleep apnea, we have to do it all the time. Um, and now I can do it better. Um, and why? Because I had a podcast. Because I was able to, it gave me a platform to reach out to, to this person. So, so why podcast? Um, one reason is, yeah, fine. Marketing your brand, but another is to to it gets at least for me it gets me in front of people I never would have been able to get in front of before. I would never have had an audience with with these people, and now I can sit down with them and and ask them the questions that I want answered. Like a little while ago, I had Jennifer Caston, who's um, she's like the doctor's doctors for doctor's doctor for COVID. Now I'm not sure when this episode is coming out. COVID might be over. Hope so. Oh, sorry. I wasn't sure if you were still there. <laughs> I was just talking. Um, it was it was my monologue. Um, <laughs> so so I had her uh, on the show, and I got a list of questions that I crowdsourced from other doctors. But then she, you know, I I filtered them myself to ones that I thought were reasonable, and then I spoke to her for like an hour and a half, and it answered so many of my questions about COVID. So, so if you're thinking about starting a podcast, yeah, recognize you're going to be in the red. This is not a money-making endeavor. You're not on the podcast. You're not going to podcast because 
if at any point you end up making as much money as you're spending, it took you so much time in order to get there that, you, you know, in the end, you're still, you, you would have made more money doctoring. So oh, definitely. That, that's not your reason to do it. But I'm definitely a better doctor and I think a better human being for, for doing the show. I agree. I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy it and I like, you know, I like talking to people. So, um, there's that, but I mean, you know, I, I interviewed the white coat investor and Jim Dolly, and he was like a hero of mine in medical school. And, you know, if you're not a doctor, you probably have no idea who he is, but like in our circles, he's like this celebrity, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, I get to Wait, talk he to really exists. Guy. You know, he's real. He's real. He's like, he's like become a, like a mythical being. At this point. I know. I, you know, he doesn't have footsteps when he walks, but <laughs> it, you know, just the people and people are so willing to come on podcasts just cause they're you know low stress and, and there's really not a lot of money going, going around, but uh, yeah, I agree. But I want to shift the conversation a little bit. So, uh, you know, my audience now is, is mostly early career physicians with kind of a spattering of other healthcare professionals, but um, I'd like to hear from you as a, you know, I'm sorry to say this, a mid-career physician at this point. Um, you know, could you give us some tips and tricks and lessons you've learned, uh, coming through, uh, residency, early career and, and shifting into now your mid career? Yeah, I, uh, I'm 40. I'll be, you know, 41, two months. Um, and I realized that was mid career when I was at a board meeting in my group and they were talking about a doctor that they were considering hiring. And I was like, Oh, I think he's just a year. Like, isn't he's, and they said, he's like, you know, well, he's not a young physician. I was like, wait a second. He's a year younger than me. And they turned to me. They're like, you're not a young physician either. I was like, oh, <laughs> crap. When did that happen? Um, so so uh, I lost my train of thought again. I'm sorry. This keeps happening. I'm the worst guest ever. No, um, this is great. <laughs> so, so, so advice for early career physicians? Is yeah. that where we're going? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So um, one is if you're looking to grow your practice. So as an ER doctor, this is nothing you ever have to worry about, right? You don't have to go to the community and to try and build your practice. Nope. Nope. Yeah, one of the one of the great things about being an ER doctor. They will come. Be- because as an ear, nose, and throat doctor, especially on Long Island, where it's like saturated, there's so many, so many do- specialists on Long Island, um, that it was hard to build my practice at the beginning right? Nobody knew who I was. Um, being part of a big group is certainly helpful because then we have marketing and name recognition and a functional website. But, you know, when I started nine years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly the well-oiled machine that it is now. And what they told me to do was go to different doctor's offices and find the referring doctors and like give them lunch. But that was horrible advice. Horrible advice. Because I think I have one doctor that still sends me patients from those interactions. And everybody just has their, they have no time for lunch. They don't care who you are. And you know what? They have their doctor that they refer to. I still get doctors that send patients to me and their list of doctors has on it half retired physicians and the other half is physicians who have moved away. And yet they're still using the same sheet of paper. So they're not necessarily going to change their ways. Right. So how do you find the patients? How do you get the patients to come to you? And what I found is, at least at the beginning, making your slots longer than the other doctors. So like if everybody else sees four patients an hour, you see three patients an hour or see two patients an hour. 
so you can take time with each patient. And what's going to happen is they're going to appreciate that interaction so much more that they're going to become your evangelists. And when someone says, goes onto their Facebook town group, I need an ear, nose, and throat doctor, they're going to be the person that goes, oh, oh, you have to use mine. Oh, this doctor is so great. So, uh, you know, with social media the way it is, that drives referrals so much more. The referring doctors do too, but what will happen is enough of those evangelists will go back to their doctor and be like, oh, I saw the best ear, nose, and throat doctor. You have to send your patients to him. I've found that that was the best way to build my practice. Um, and what I've found, now I'm nine years out, so I've had a lot of time to build my practice. And, and the coronavirus was devastating to a lot of our practices. Like a lot of doctors still aren't busy because people are just not coming out. But I've bounced back a lot faster than a lot of the doctors that have been, been around much longer than me. Um, and, I, and I think it's because I used that method to build my practice. I see each patient as a potential evangelist. That's great. That's, that's great advice. I think that's, you know, classic kind of organic marketing at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it helps to be part of this big practice, but I, I think, you know, compared to other people within my practice. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm and to be off. genuinely awesome, right? Well, it helps. It helps to be awesome. And this is where my podcast comes in, right? Because I've learned how to be more awesome, or at least rather perceived as more often awesome. Um, that, that's another thing is like, everyone talks about, oh, make sure you listen. You got to really listen to your patients. That, that's what we were told over and over again. Make sure you're really listening. What does that even mean? Really listen. And what it comes down to is it's not just listening. It's being present. So by being present, you're not distracted by thoughts of your previous patient, which is hard, Right. Like, especially with you, your last patient was super sick. Your last patient is in the bed right next to them, right? And, and, and their monitor's beeping. And it's, you know, there are all these distractions in your, at least for me, I'm in a room alone with them with no distractions. You, you know, it's got to be hard. But finding a way to be present um, without distractions, without the, finding a way to make the computer not a distraction. You know, I find that dictating, you know, patient tells me their history and I dictate it back to them that I don't have to sit there typing. I do type some because it can be hard to remember like every detail. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I think there's a difference between listening and being present. Being present means you're really just focused on them. You know, people say that about politics aside, people say that about Bill Clinton, that when you were, when you were talking to him, you feel like the rest of the world would fall away. Like you, he had that, that, that charisma about him. You need to find a way to make your patients say that about you. And that means you're focused on them and only them for the, for the entirety of the visit. So that's what listening means. It's, it's sometimes it's, we don't elaborate on it when we're saying, Oh, just listen. It's, it's yeah, about being present. That's so true. It, it reminds me of a funny story. When I was a resident, I, I got this patient satisfaction award and I, and I was shocked and, you know, it came down to the data. The patients thought I was, I was spending so much time with them because I would sit down on the garbage cans in the room and people were like, Oh, that's genius. And I was like, no, I was just tired like I, <laughs> <laughs> like, running around seeing a million patients an hour as an ER resident. I just wanted to sit down, but it became this whole thing where I was spending so much time in the room with patients. And, you know, they've done those studies where if you sit down, the patients perceive you're in there for so much longer. 
Um, and I ended up with this whole award and I was like, no, I really, I am just exhausted. <laughs> um, yeah, but just, you know, sitting down is such a big part of, of being there with your patients and taking some time to, to listen to what, what they're there for. Yeah. Those little things, those little things, you wouldn't think sitting down would matter. Um, but it, but it, and actually that's something that they taught even, even me, the old fogey about in medical school during that, like humanism in medicine course was making sure you sit down. And, and I had someone on recently that talked about nonverbal communication and what, what he says, cause I, I've asked him, I actually, I, I hired him to come talk to my group uh, a few years ago about nonverbal communication. And I figured I'd have him on the podcast now that we're all behind masks, right? Yeah. Cause the patients can't, I can't see much of the patient's face. The patient can't see much of my face. So I wanted to talk to him about his, his recommendations and really what it come down, comes down to is, you know, do you need to mirror the patient? What should I be doing with my hands? What should I, and, and his advice is don't worry about all of that. Only worry about your eyes. Because I, t- I have a tendency to furrow my brow when, when, uh, when people are talking to me because it makes it look like I'm concentrating. <laughs> but he says not to do that. It, lo- it makes it look like you're angry. It's actually your lower lids that you should focus on. So squint. Hmm. So. I mean, it seems silly, right, to be talking about that. But if you're looking at a patient and you're like unaware of your own facial expressions and you're just staring at them with no expression on your face, their perception is you're like zoned out. But if you have the same expression, but you just wrinkle your lower lids a little bit, so you're squinting, their perception is now very different. So it's a subtle thing. But if you can get in the habit of doing that, it's going to change your, just like sitting down it's going to change your patient's perception of the interaction and they're going to be much more satisfied and they're going to be much more likely to give you a positive view, to think that you were listening to them. And, and I say, think that you were listening to them, not because we're not, but if both people are, but one is sitting and has their, and is squinting and one is standing and stone faced, right? The patient's perception and that, in, that type of thing influences the patient's outcome. Because if they didn't think you're listening, then they're less likely to think you understand what's going on and they're less likely to take your advice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to use that one. That's, I got to listen to that episode. That sounds awesome. Um, well, I'd like to transition one more time here and uh, just get to know you a little bit better more than, more than we have already. So uh, do you have like a favorite book you can recommend for the listeners? So Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, I think is... It's one of my favorite books. And I, you and I are both a fan of Dale Carnegie, uh, mm-hmm. you know, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is just a, a series of truisms. So that one, fine. That doesn't even count because you and I are so on the same page with it. But Victor, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Um, and he was a psychiatrist who survived the Holocaust. And he wrote a book about the people who thrived versus the people who didn't. And what he found is the people who thrived were the people that found a purpose while they were there. So as much as there were horrible things happening to them and horrible things going around around them, the ones that, that did the best were the ones that were trying to help other people through it, were the ones that managed to find meaning and purpose despite the tragedy. And so... Um, that's the reason that I love, I love that book is because like, that's, that's often my answer. Like if you feel like 
physician burnout is a big problem, then get involved in advocacy, right? If you feel like your hospital is doing this perp, um, is doing this one thing poorly, like get on a committee, like find a purpose, like act. The, the, I'm sure that's a saying of someone smarter than me, but like the remedy for that type of discouraging negative thought activity is, is a, is a purpose, is an action. So you need to, you need to act and that'll help you feel better about it. And then you'll work towards a goal. So I, I just, I love man's search for meaning in, in, in that it gives you a remedy for so many tragic things that might befall you. Yeah. Even, even minor ones, even minor ones, you can find meaning in them and purpose in them and turn them around. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm such a proponent of, of goal setting and, and, and all that. I mean, a, a lot of the, some of the work I do with my own clients is, it all revolves around, you know, short and long-term goals and just having something that you're working toward really helps with a lot of those issues of burnout and, and dissatisfaction. Um, what do you like to do for fun? So uh, my oldest just turned four and I have two more, a two and a half year old and a nine month old. So uh, there is not really much time for fun. Um, although this is, uh, I guess going to show how privileged I am. Uh, right before recording this, before bedtime, I was in the backyard in the pool with the two and a half year old and the four year old and uh, realizing that these are the times. Right. These are the times. This is this is why I worked my ass off in high school and college and medical school and residency and building my practice. And like I was throwing my four year old full strength across the pool and he was (laughs) swimming back to me. He's 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 amazing like that. Swimming, swimming back to me. And then the two and a half year old wanted to be thrown too, but uh, you know, he's, he's not there yet with the swimming. Um, and I was like, this is it, right? Like the, my wife had been sitting at the side of the pool uh, with the baby just before that. And I was like, this is what I've been working so hard for. This is, this is, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. It's happening. So enjoy it. And I was trying to, you know, be, be in the moment. Um, now I'm really looking forward to when they're older um, to surfing again. Cool. People don't realize they're surfing on Long Island. It's small, but it's there. So uh, I, you know, my my next goal in life is when the three my uh, three boys when the three boys are old enough for for all four. And actually, the the day after our wedding, my wife actually got in a wetsuit and got on a surfboard. So maybe even the five of us can can get out and all go surfing together. Uh, so I don't get to surf right now because I just can't leave my wife with all that, with just all the children at the same time. But Fair enough. someday, someday, that's my big goal. Or maybe all your kids can throw you full strength across the school, <laughs> you know? <laughs> By the time they're big enough and strong enough, I feel like I'm going to be so broken that maybe that's <laughs> uh, That's great. No, that's a, that was a wonderful moment you shared. Thank you. The um, Well, I think you've given... Uh, the early career doc, a lot of advice already. So that kind of eliminates that question I usually ask. But um, again, where can we find you uh, at your podcasts and your social media accounts? So I'm on Twitter. It's at Physicians Guide. Uh, my website is physiciansguidetodoctoring.com, which is just a jumping off point for the podcast because I don't do anything other than the podcast. So if you look up Physicians Guide to Doctoring or you look up Bradley Block, um, 
and and I have a Facebook page. I think it's just on Facebook, Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Um, I don't have a Facebook group. I don't have an Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not anywhere else. So it's just, it's just, just check me out. of the, Maybe maybe I'll get on those things at some point. Um, but yeah, physiciansguidetodoctoring.com and you can find all the links to everything there. Awesome. I'll put everything in the show notes for the listeners. Well, thank you. This, this has really been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this, this talk that we've been having here. Thanks. Great questions. I've had a lot of fun too. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. What an awesome show with Brad Block. It really was just a pleasure talking to him. Two of us really do get along. Brad describes his reason for starting a podcast and how he has learned something from each guest that he tries to incorporate into his practice. Dr. Block discusses learning about humor from one of his guests and utilizing it as a physician. He does not recommend podcasting to other physicians because we're competing for the same 12 listeners. <laughs> if you do start a podcast, he recommends taking a webinar as there's a lot of great information out there these days, which I agree with as well. If you want some information on getting started, please visit my website. Podcasting allows him to connect with people he never otherwise would have. Additionally, Dr. Block gives recommendations for new physicians starting a practice to gain referrals and organic spread. He also discusses how to properly listen to patients. Well, that's all we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening and your continued support. If you could give me a honest review on Apple Podcasts, I really would appreciate it. And tell your friends, residents, colleagues, everyone to listen because there's something on here for everybody. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is follow me on Instagram at talktomedoc underscore LLC. Well, until next time, guys, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tisser Dio, Talk to Me Doc LLC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tisser Dio, Talk to Me Doc LLC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tisser Dio, Talk to Me Doc LLC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.